Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to be reading the scripture reading this morning, but before that, River wanted you guys to know that she has bat wings on her dress so (laughs) the dress i'm wearing very cool um so now that we have that out of the way i'm going to be reading from john chapter 12 uh, verses 20 to 33. now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some greeks they came to philip who was from bethsaida in galilee and they said to him sir we wish to see jesus Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Uh, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servants be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It's for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it, and they said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow. Um, thank you, Nate, and thank you, River, for reading the passage this morning. And I love the bat wings. I wish I was wearing some today. <laughs> and I wish I had some yummy applesauce, too. That looks good. Um, yeah, we're just going to dive right in because our portion today is a pretty meaty portion. 
Um, I don't know about you, but reading through it sort of brought up so many feelings for me from my youth because I vividly remember like in middle school turning a Pringles can into a tithing tube. And I wrote on the side of it, Jim Elliott's famous quote of, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I, I have so many mixed feelings when I think about that memory because those are good words. And like we see sort of that theme found in the scripture. And there's also these weird feelings um, wrapped up in that memory. So that's what I initially thought of. <laughs> but anyways, where does this portion even sit within our Bible? Well, it's in John's gospel. And it takes place after Lazarus or after Jesus raised Lazarus back to life. And after Mary, Lazarus's sister, anoints Jesus with perfume. It also comes in this shadow within the narrative of the religious leaders plotting to kill Jesus and Lazarus for breaking all the rules. And they're rousing this rambunctious crowd of people who are like calling on Jesus to bring down the Roman empire. And that's making the Roman soldiers nervous. And so these religious leaders are like, okay, let's just kill him so we can nip this in the butt. So there's like a lot going on there. Um, but this also comes after Jesus's triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, AKA the story of Palm Sunday, AKA the story we're gonna learn about next week when Kara preaches. Um, so our portion today is actually kind of out of order chronologically in the Easter story, um, but that's okay because it's a really cool passage. And we're gonna see today why these words that Jesus speaks are so important to John's gospel. So at first glance, right, there's a lot going on. You've got this kind of comedic scene with the Greeks who wanna see Jesus. So they go and tell Philip and then Philip tells Andrew and then Andrew and Philip go and tell Jesus together. And then it seems like Jesus kind of completely ignores their request and jumps into the soliloquy about seeds and hours and his troubled soul. And then all of a sudden there's this thunderous voice or maybe it's just thunder and it's throwing out this word, glory, glory, glory. Or in the Greek, doxazo, doxazo, doxazo. Doxology, anyone? Hmm. But then after this, Jesus is all like, nah, JK, I'm feeling good now. So here's some more mysterious words about my death. So like, where do I even begin with this passage? <laughs> well, I wanna zoom out a little first and stand on the balcony and look at the gospel of John as a literary whole. Because the gospel of John actually stands apart from the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this little club in the realm of biblical studies. They're called the Synoptic Gospels. Um, meanwhile, John's just kind of over here by his lonesome. And if you've read through the Gospels, you might notice there are some literary differences between the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the Gospel of John. And I want to touch on these real quick because I think it helps us better understand our portion today. And it might also shed a little more light on some of our own past experiences with reading the Gospel of John, whether they're negative or positive or some weird combination of both. So, nerdy fun fact alert. About 90% of John's Gospel is actually unique from the Synoptic Gospels. What? And that's why biblical scholars sort of set it aside from the other three. 
you might notice in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus uses a lot of parables and shorter teachings. And the themes in these gospels also focus around the kingdom of God and Christ as the inaugurator of this kingdom. While in John's gospel, John speaks these long theological discourses with a lot of repetition and parallelism and even dualism. And the themes focus around Christ's unique relationship with God and Christ's role of revealing the Father to the world, making the unseeable God seeable. In the Synoptic Gospels, you know, Jesus also keeps his messianic identity sort of hush-hush, while in John's Gospel, Jesus seems to shout it from the rooftops. He's like, if you knew me, you know my Father. So the Gospel of John is special. And it reads differently than maybe the Gospels were a little more familiar with. And it seems like whoever authored this account of Jesus's life, whether it was John the disciple or maybe him in partnership with his community, they might have authored it to be more like a theological meditation on the life and teachings of Jesus and created within it more space in the historical narrative for reflection, meditation, and even participation. So it's important to recognize the uniqueness of John's gospel because does the Jesus in John's gospel seem a little different than the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, or Luke? Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> and in this portion especially, Jesus seems like this really mystical teacher, right? And I think it's really awesome I have this book on my bookshelf and it's called Four Portraits, One Jesus. And I just love that title. And I love thinking back to that whenever I think of Jesus, because, you know, this book really dives into each of the different gospels and how they each reveal a different dimension of who Jesus was. And like, how cool is it that Christ is so dynamic and dimensional that no two accounts of his life, even those told by some of his closest friends are the same. Okay, so thanks for hopping down that nerdy theological rabbit trail with me because I think it does add texture and depth to our conversation today. So now we're gonna zoom back into our portion and look a little closer at what's going on. So remember how Jesus loves parables in the synoptic gospels? Well, guess what? There's only one parable in the Gospel of John, and it just so happens to be in our portion today, which just so happens to be Jesus's final public teaching before his crucifixion. So only parable, last public teaching. We should probably pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. So here we go in verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, this is the Jesus equivalent of the prophet saying, thus saith the Lord, because Jesus is the Lord and this is what he's saying. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it must, or it remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, okay, like that makes sense, especially in an agrarian society, this story, yep, cool, Jesus, we gotcha. But then he goes on to elaborate and expand on this parable. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, 
and where I am, there will my servants be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. So here is where John's favorite mystical, dualistic parallelism of Jesus comes out. And what it all seems to boil down to is that those who love Jesus and want to serve Jesus must follow Jesus to where Jesus is going. Basically, if you want a piece of this eternal life, AKA the salvation identified with being a part of the kingdom of God, you're gonna have to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And now we know where Jesus is gonna go, right? Jesus is going to go into death. But in this moment, the Greeks who wanted to see Jesus didn't know this, and neither did Jesus's friends and disciples. We, on the other side of the crucifixion and resurrection, we see and we know what's gonna happen. So if we wanna follow Jesus, we must follow Jesus into death. Yikes. <laughs> now this parable that Jesus tells, this life cycle of a seed, um, could quite possibly be the thesis of John's good news. And at least a main part of John's understanding of why the word of God, the Logos, took on flesh and entered our world in the first place. You see, this parable has three major movements, kind of like a symphony. And these major movements seem to reflect John's understanding of the work of Christ. So what are these three movements? Well, first we have death. The seed is buried and dies as Jesus is betrayed and crucified. Movement number two is resurrection. The seed bursts forth from the ground as Jesus crescendos into victory over death. And the third movement is bearing fruit, quite literally for the seed. And for Jesus, it's inspiring and commissioning a beloved community to do much greater things than he did during his time on earth. And so let's, I wanna dive a little deeper into these three movements. So what was the first one? Death. Whew. Death is painful and filled with grief. It's hard and it's uncomfortable. Death is not preferred or invited, yet we see that death is a necessary part of new life. Because Jesus did not simply die and then be resuscitated back to his former life. Jesus fully experienced death. He rode the entire wave and came up the other side victorious, rising up into a new kind of living. And yikes, like if we wanna follow Jesus, do we have to do this too? Maybe not physically being crucified as Christ did, but it does seem like Jesus is inviting us to walk with him into a death experience. Kind of like in John 15, when Jesus uses the metaphor of God, the gardener, pruning us, the vine, so that we might be more life-filled beings. So what kinds of death is Jesus inviting us into here? And I want to make that question an all play. One, because it's really uncomfortable. And two, because it's kind of fun to think about together. Like, and this might be a really tangible and real question to ask yourself right now, whether you've recently walked through a death experience or you're currently walking through a death experience with Christ, 
or maybe it's just more of a theological reflection for you. But what kinds of death does Jesus invite us into? Let's see, Whew, coming fast. Health from Bob, yeah. Nate Banker, letting old ways of thinking and seeing the world die, definitely. Hannah, self-centered and ego, Cassandra, death from things that will hurt us or others. Steve, any grief to feel it all the way, to allow myself to be sad all the way down. Ooh, I like that. Dan, wouldn't the portion indicate that he invites us to die to obsessing over things like money, power, etc.? Yeah. <laughs> Miko, fear. Oh, some of these like feel relieving to die to, right? And some of them feel scary to die to. Um, feel free to keep these going. Um, I'm going to sort of move on, but keep adding them in the chat as you continue to think about this. Um, but it's so good and so uncomfortable to think about. And it's also like a really tricky thing to talk about because I think for many of us, this narrative sort of when we talk about dying to self for the sake of Christ can bring up some really unpleasant memories and maybe even unpalatable theology. Oh, let's see, relationships die. Yeah, death seems like a beginning in this portion, definitely. Um, so maybe it's kind of helpful to understand these kinds of death experiences as what we are letting go of so that we can step into something that is more shalom, more whole and peaceful and more like how God created life to be. And so what if this grain of wheat dying is a human life that is freed from this self-centered isolation? so that we might bear fruit and live a life that's not for ourselves, but for a beloved community where both self and others can flourish. Hmm. So let's take a look at the second movement. Shout it out if you remember, what comes after death? Resurrection. Good job. <laughs> okay, so obviously like resurrection's a pretty big deal. And we're gonna talk about it a lot more in the coming weeks because Easter's coming up. Hooray. But in the life of this parable, we see there's another movement after this, right? So this is not the end of the story. For many of us, we might think that like the resurrection of Jesus is the moment, the big shebang, the pinnacle of God's movement in the world. Everything was leading up to this moment. And now everything else is kind of downhill after that. But I wonder what if resurrection's the easy part? I mean, you think about it. Death, hard. Bearing fruit, ugh, too much work. But resurrection, now that is a party. And by all means, we need to celebrate the resurrections in our lives. Because if we are invited to walk through death with Christ, that means we also get to walk with Christ into new life. And these are just those sweet moments where you can breathe 
and breathing feels different. The air smells sweeter and your chest feels lighter and the sun seems brighter. These are those sweet moments of grace because resurrection is a gift. And we can't stop there. Because what good is a seed dying than growing into a fig tree, but then that fig tree bears no fruit? Well, Jesus makes that pretty clear when in his hanger he curses a fruitless fig tree. So that leads us to our final movement, bearing fruit. This is the moment where Jesus steps aside and makes room for the Holy Spirit to come and empower and equip and inspire the followers of Jesus, the beloved community, to do so much greater things than he did. And guess what? We are the fruit of Christ's resurrection. And we are invited in our deaths and resurrections to then bear fruit as well to bear fruits of justice, love, humility, kindness, gentleness, in it togetherness. We are called to bear good fruit for the world, for the sake of the world and for the sake of the cosmos and everything God loves, which is everything and everyone. Now, the thing about seeds is that this pattern is cyclical. It doesn't happen just once. Like, wouldn't that be nice though if it did? if we only had to walk through a death experience once. But maybe this is why, this is why we have Lent and why we observe it every year. This season begins again, the symphony of a plant as we bury ourselves in the soil, letting go of all expectations, all coping mechanisms and control as we die to our self-centered isolation. And in this death, this hibernation, we get to replant our roots and begin again, inching our way upward and bursting forth from the earth, just as Christ did, and experiencing a new way of living once again. The resurrection, then, that we celebrate on Easter, this glorification of God, is no doubt a miraculous miracle. And it points us ahead towards the resurrection of a beloved community, bearing those fruits of kindness, justice, humility, and love for the sake of the world and the cosmos. So before we do the prayers of confession, I want to guide us through a brief imaginative meditation that walks us through the life of a seed. And this one's fun and it's easy for kids to do. Um, so kids, I want you to try this with us. It's only like four minutes long. So I think you can maybe keep your attention for that long. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share this video. It has some visuals if it's hard for you to keep your eyes closed for that long. But I invite you to try and close your eyes and really listen and imagine yourselves within this story. And then when the meditation's done, we will then walk through the prayers of confession together. So, let me go ahead and share my screen for you all. And here we go. So close your eyes and imagine you're a seed being held tightly in the warm, rough hands of a gardener. It's comfortable and you feel safe 
as you feel the rhythms of the gardener walking out into her garden. Light starts to peer through the gardener's fingers as she opens her palm. Suddenly, you're falling. You feel confused and disoriented. Your stomach rises up into your chest. The warmth and comfort and safety you once felt seems to be but a memory. Falling is new and it's scary. And you fall into a dark pit, a hole buried in the ground. Dirt encloses you into the earth. As your eyes adjust to darkness again, you catch your breath and notice that the soil's warm and you can hear the gardener humming as she plants. As crazy as it sounds, you feel the gardener in the soil around you. You can't see her, but you can hear her and feel her. Somehow she is still with you. You taste water and you fall asleep. In your sleep, you have a dream. You say hello to grief, to sadness, to anger, and whoever else. Maybe the gardener's there too. You invite them to come in and stay a while as you get to know them a little more and understand why they came to visit. Suddenly you wake up and feel something new bursting out of you. Roots digging deep into the ground. Ah, you feel a little more stable. Then your shell cracks open. Whoa, now you're no longer a seed, but a little sprout. Suddenly you're growing and expanding. But wait, which way's up? What am I growing into? The soil above feels warm and you hear the humming of the gardener. So you stand a little taller and suddenly light. Air, warmth, your whole body feels infused with the nutrients of life. You feel different. You feel refreshed. You feel like you can hope again. And the gardener smiles. You're beautiful. You've been through a lot, my little seed. So take a moment and enjoy this new life. Look around and see all the green around you. More light, more water, more soil, more air, more life. You're growing larger now. You have shoots and branches and leaves. You feel something within you ready to blossom. What is it?
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.